Welcome to Homestand Sports, the podcast for the passionate fan. I'm your host, Albert Vartanian, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Justin Pooney, who was nearly brought to tears following the Nikita Zadorov trade to Vancouver. Tears for Zadorov. Well, on today's show, the Vancouver Canucks won the Zadorov sweepstakes. Does that trade make them a legit contender in the West? What's next for Corey Perry? And did the Rangers just drop the best jerseys in hockey? I don't think so. Lots to get to and lots to answer, so let's get this party started. I'm Albert Vartanian, and this is Homestand Sports, where stories, not stats, take center stage. All right, Justin, your Vancouver Canucks have acquired Nikita Zadorov, breaking the hearts of all the Leafs fans across North America. And the Flames um, kind of got fleeced on this one. I'll get your take on it. But they got a fifth rounder and a third rounder from the Canucks for Zadorov. And how about this? Zadorov expected to make his debut on Saturday night against who and where? In Calgary against the Flames. Zadorov, six foot six, 248 pounds so far, has a goal and five assists in 21 games this season. So he obviously strengthens this Canucks blue line. But does this move make the Canucks true players in the West now? Absolutely, Albert. Look, this was the biggest weak point of the, of the Vancouver Canucks. They had uh, the defense core that was, you know, playing very well. They had to break up the Hughes and Heronic pairing to kind of balance it out at certain points. Because, look, when you have those two guys that eat up a whole lot of minutes, that could score a whole lot of points on your top pairing, uh, they take up a lot of attention. Um, this move is a masterclass by Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin. Let's go back to a couple days previously when they mm. traded Anthony Beauvillier to the Chicago Blackhawks in essentially a salary dump. They got back a fifth-round pick. Chicago retained all of Beauvillier's salary. Um, but when I look at this, they, what does Patrick Alvin do? He turns around, acquires a guy who can play in the top six, six foot five, a big guy, can play that playoff-style brand of hockey, can play on the right side or the left side, whatever. Um, this was a big win for the Vancouver Canucks. For the first time in a long time, Albert, as a Canucks fan, I was almost brought to tears because they made a move that actually made sense and where the fans and people alike were not crapping on the Canucks. They were talking about how the Flames got fleeced. Look, when you look at last year, Luke Shen got dealt from those Canucks for a third-round pick. And then this year, the essentially what the rumors are saying is that the Flames wanted a third-round pick and a little bit more than just a fifth to trade him in division. But still, we were talking a couple weeks ago where Flames fans thought they were going to get a second-round pick, mm -hmm. maybe a first-round pick as you get closer to the deadline. But Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford did their business early. The other positive for the Canucks is this. Zadorov comes in on December the 1st. Three quarters of the season are still left. He's going to have a full, almost as full of a season with the Canucks, which also helps in the UFA where Zadorov will be in July. Look, Zadorov was high on the Canucks list anyway because he's obviously a client of Dan Milstein, who has Mikheyev, Kuzmenko, and a whole bunch of other Canucks players under his agency. So there's that familiarity with him there. On the ice, it's a slam dunk. Makes it more physical. When fully healthy, you have a guy in Ian Cole. You have a guy in Carson Soucy. You have a guy in Tyler Myers. Nikita Zadorov. Philip Horonic. You have guys that, when we talked about the Leafs the other day, you know, don't play with that edge. Everybody in the Canucks back end plays with a little bit of edge. Even Quinn Hughes, although 
He's not going to be physical. He knows how to get in there and get pucks and win battles. Um, Rick Tockett, since he's been at the helm of the Vancouver Canucks, really wanted to reshape this defense core, kind of follow that Vegas model, have guys that are mobile. And all these guys that are big, they're mobile as well. Big, mobile guys that in the trenches, in the corners, can muck it up, win puck battles. This is exactly what they've done. They've rebuilt this defense core on the fly. It also looks like Ethan Bear might be coming back to Vancouver as well. So... What the Canucks are doing is exactly what teams need to do when you want to be successful. You strengthen that defense core. You have a number one goalie in Thatcher Demko. You acquired Casey DeSmith before the season, which was a very nice piece of business. Brock Besser's playing well. We know what the, the big boys up front are doing, but you shored your defense core. So now in the Western Conference where there's big teams, Colorado, Vegas, LA, Edmonton, the Calgary is playing a lot better. There are big teams. You need big defensemen that can combat that. The Canucks have done that, Albert. And right now, when I look at this team, it was great business by Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford. Smart getting the cap in. Sorry, getting the cap dollars out. A guy who wasn't doing anything. Bring a guy in who could impact it on a low, low cost. A cost that not a lot of us saw. Massive win for the Vancouver Canucks. Definitely playoff contenders, although they lost to Vegas last night. Yeah, listen, I, I don't think this makes them players because I think they already are players in the Western Conference. But I also don't think this Zadorov move takes them over the top. Like now all of a sudden they're true Stanley Cup contenders. If you watch that game against the Golden Knights, they were pressured heavily. They were bullied by the Vegas Golden Knights. And I think that's just the Canucks. They just have to learn how to play that way. This mm -hmm. is essentially just a new-ish team. But you bring in Zadorov, look, you have Myers and Zadorov as your third pairing. Those two guys are going to cover a lot of ice. They're going to hit a lot of players. And like you said... I mean, this makes the team better. Pretty good decor, good goaltending. Uh, but I just don't think that, you know, bringing in Zadorov all of a sudden makes the Canucks a Stanley Cup contender. I think they'll be able to contend in the West, but still a long way to go. I would say three, four, five years down the line, maybe even sooner, this is going to be a serious force in the Western Conference because it's a relatively young team. And listen, the business is unbelievable. Where did they get one of those picks from? It was from the Luke Shen deal, wasn't it, to the Toronto Maple Leafs? I believe so, yeah. Right? So they got that pick. They got the Beauvillier pick. They flipped that to bring in a core defenseman, mm -hmm. a guy that was wanted by a lot of teams. And one thing that the Canucks had on top of every other team that was involved, at least most teams, and one being Toronto Maple Leafs, is they didn't need Calgary to retain salary. Mm -hmm. Craig Conroy talked about that this morning, saying, listen, I don't want to trade within the conference, but we didn't have to retain any salary, and that's perfect for us. So, I mean, if, if you want anybody right now from the Calgary Flames, you can't get them to retain anything. And I thought it was just a great piece of business by the Canucks. And it's interesting because I was not expecting the Canucks to strengthen this early in the season. But it shows you their intent, and they have a clear plan, which a lot of teams, I mean, keep going back to Leafs, but do not, do not have a clear plan of where they want to go. Yeah. The Canucks know exactly where they want to go and how they want to play. And right now, I think it's just a great piece of business. And here's the other thing, too. Ian Cole and Tyler Myers' contracts come off the books. They're UFAs at the end of the season, yeah. along with Zadorov, right? We expect the cap to go up. Of course, you got to sign Elias Pettersson to a big-ticket deal, which is going to eat up cap space. But... The Canucks are, you know, they're finally getting back that all that cap hell from the Jim Benning era, all those horrible contracts, right? They're starting to come off the books, and we're starting to see Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford reshape this organization, reshape this franchise into the direction they want to go to. And also, I want to say this. For Nikita Zadorov, right, coming into this locker room, who also are your assistant coaches? Sergei Gonchar and Adam Foote. Two great defensemen in their time who yeah. have done a wonderful job in teaching this defense core how to you know, play the modern game. And who are two other better teachers than those two guys to learn from? So when I look at this situation, um, 
it was a win now move that they had to make. Now look, we'll see what happens still, how it shakes out. What also is really good is they took Zadorov away from their enemies, right? right? Colorado was in on him, right? Vegas probably wanted to sniff around him. LA, uh, my favorite one was, of course, the Toronto Maple Leafs that we got to snipe him from. <laughs> I but, think most teams are looking for a depth guy Exactly, like that. right? So what the Canucks did was a tidy piece of business, and I love that they got it done early. That, to me, is the biggest thing, the fact right. that they were able to get it done early, not wait till the deadline, not, you know, play, you know, sit on your hands like Brad Tree Living is or kind of fit, twiddle around and hope something <laughs> magical happens. Go out there, make it happen. That's what the Canucks have done. Um, and I believe this is a win for this organization. Yeah. It's also a confidence boost for that locker room because you bring in a guy like this who was, you know, probably the one of the top trade big targets right now, bring him into that locker room. It shows, hey, we got to a great start. The front office is rewarding us by bringing in another piece that can help us push forward to the playoffs and hopefully make a decent run of the playoffs. I agree, Albert. The Canucks are not going to go to the Stanley Cup final this year. But can they maybe win a round? Maybe, right? And yeah, for, absolutely. And as for Canucks fans, that's something to build forward on. That's something to look forward to. So, again, non-biased slash kind of biased. But, again, impressive week for the Vancouver Canucks and their front office. Were, were you really going to cry? Were you really almost in tears? Dude, when getting, I, getting a depth defenseman when I saw, in Vancouver? When I saw that, right? Because you have to account for the Beauvillier No, no, no. We're too. talking about tears, though. Tears. Yes. Do you know how hard it's been being a Canucks tears, fan? Tears in November. Seeing Louis Erickson getting six by six. Oh, my God. Right? Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel. The list goes on of horrible, right. horrible contracts. Oliver ekman Larson, Horrible contracts to have... Your front office make a smart move in getting rid of Beauvillier, who was making a big chunk of change. Then to clear all that cap, and then to acquire a player for in division for such a low price, and to smart. make an immediate impact. Albert, it's a great, it's a great move. I'm and just starting to cry right now. But Beauvillier came in the Horvat trade. He did. So I mean, so, they're playing actually, 3D yeah. chess over there. So the the Horvat trade technically was Horvat uh, for Hironik, yeah, Zadorov and Pius Suter, right? So you get. You know, two top four defensemen, or t one top pairing defenseman, one you know top six defenseman, and a young player for a guy who's hasn't literally lived up to the potential of that eight year deal he got on Long Island. Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens moving forward. Listen, the decor looks good, and now it's time to play. But I don't think the Canucks are done yet. No. For some reason, I don't think they are. They might make another move, but we'll see uh, what's going to happen. Okay, coming up after the break, we're going to have Steven Sahoyas of North Star Bets join us. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on the Zadorov trade. He's got some picks for tonight's action in the NHL. And yes, we'll talk about the Boston Bruins playing the Toronto Maple Leafs. And is anybody on the Leafs going to step up to Marshawn? Stevie chimes in after the break. Joining us now from North Star Bets is Steven Sohoyas, our favorite Boston Bruins fans. We're going to touch on the Bruins near the end of this segment. We're going to get into your picks as well. But Stevie, the biggest news, of course, in hockey was yesterday. The Vancouver Canucks acquiring Nikita Zadorov from the Calgary Flames. Me and Albert just went back and forth on what it means for the Canucks and their push in the Western Conference. But I'm going to ask you that same question. What does this mean for the Canucks and how they stack up in the West? Well, this definitely helps bolster the, their defense core. If you're going to point out a weakness on the Canucks, it'd probably be defense. Demko's played really well between the pipes. The offense is well-documented as being lethal and full of elite playmakers, but they didn't have that depth on the back end. And now you had a guy like Sidorov who gives you some of that size, a little bit more grit. I think what this move really tells me is that the Canucks believe in this core. They realize that, okay, not... They weren't playing poorly, but maybe a little stagnant since that really hot start to the year. They wanted to shake things up, and why not? The West is wide open. 
if you ask me. I think really outside of Vegas, there's no one who I would consider a high-end contender. I know Colorado gets a lot of love and they've got a good team, but I still don't think they're anywhere near as good as they were two years ago when they won the Cup. Yeah, listen, it's, it's a great depth yeah. signing. We talked about it, and we'll see what happens. I mean, that game against Vegas, you saw, you know, the Canucks get bullied a little bit. A lot of pressure from Vegas, but they do that to a lot of teams. And you bring in Sidorov now probably to play with Tyler Myers, and you got a pretty good shutdown pair. Big boys so. in the back, Len. Big boys in the back. Okay, let's talk about tonight. Um, you're not really touching any sides, but you're going with a ton of props tonight. Yeah, there's no team that I feel really confident about winning, especially when you get to the prices. I mean, New Jersey, sure, they probably end up beating the Sharks because everybody beats the Sharks. But I'm not going to lay the juice with that. It's like minus, it's like above minus 400 yeah. right now. So I don't really want to touch that. If you're going to play that game, I think the interesting way to go is to try to find members of the Sharks power play. New Jersey has a bottom 10 penalty kill. And I know the Sharks don't score a whole lot, but if they get a couple of opportunities on the man advantage i like a guy in william eckland at plus 120 to score a point it's a pretty reasonable price tag he's having an okay year with eight points that that game i'm not really looking to touch the other game i like more though the columbus uh ottawa game i think columbus has some guys on that power play that are live to score a point again another bad penalty kill in the senators they have one of the worst team save percentages in the league i'm looking at krill marchenko at plus 104 and Boone Jenner, a minus 108, is guys to at least find the stat sheet in tonight's game. Stevie, I want to talk to you about the Senators. It seems like another year where they come in with a lot of hype, you know, a lot of moves bringing Tarasenko. Last year, they brought in Claude Giroux. Of course, they brought in Jacob Chikrin last year. But they just can't seem to put it together. Is it coaching? Is it players fitting with one another? What's going on in Ottawa? Why can't they seem to put this together? Because on paper, there's a whole lot of talent there. One thing I want to say about Ottawa is their scheduling has been really weird. Like, they've played about, like, five games less than most teams in the league. So I still think while a lot of the leagues already hit that quarter pull, they still might have a little bit of room to grow. But I do think at this point you have to kind of point at, at coaching. I don't think I don't, DJ Smith has been able to get the job done. The, the players are there. They've went out and they've made big moves. You bring in a guy like Chikrin to help fortify the back end. You've got a, a player in Claude Giroux who they added last year to add some depth up front. They have gone and made the right moves, it seems, but it's just not clicking. I don't know if, if finding goaltending has also been a bit of an issue as well. So to me, Ottawa is just a team where it's at this point you just kind of have to point at coaching because it, they, they really do seem, from a, a talent-building standpoint, to have tried their best to build the best roster possible. They might just need a little bit of a jolt. But like I mentioned, to scheduling weird start to the year like they've had some really long layoffs in between games all right let's talk about your Bruins who are in town on Saturday night against the Leafs uh the big storyline obviously surrounding this one I mean there's probably two storylines one can the Leafs actually win in regulation and will they stand up against Brad Marchand for what he did in the last time they played when he put Lilgren into the boards what are you expecting on Saturday night well, I'm not expecting much pushback, although I do have a theory that the Leafs, who have become the darlings of manipulating LTIR, are going to get uh, Reeves to drop the gloves with someone sometime soon. He's going to go on IR with a, uh, a knuckle injury or a finger injury. Something's going to happen there. They're going to they're going to they're going to put him on uh, Robida Island there with uh, Klingberg. Jeez, uh, <laughs> brutal offseason. But in this game in particular, I, I don't think we see like an outright answer because Marshawn being the captain, like if you go after him, that game can get real ugly real quick. And I don't think that's a game the Maple Leafs want to play. Uh, I expect 
Boston to, to win that game. They bounced back last night after losing three in a row. And I just, I'm not seeing it from the Leafs. Like the Kraken have been one of the worst teams in the league. When you look at save percentage, when you look at offense, they, they've been brutal this year. And to not be able to win that game convincingly, I mean, the Leafs, you know, they do, they have a tendency to make the easy look difficult. But in a tough matchup, I think Boston comes out and is the much more ready team and they win that game. Uh, who knows? It probably goes to overtime or shootout like every Leafs game goes. <laughs> but I do like the Bruins to come out on top in that one. Yeah, it's essentially a pick 'em right now. On North Star bets, the line is set at six for total goals. I'm going to take a whole lot of intimidation, the over on intimidation for the Boston Bruins on the Toronto. The Maple over tomorrow. on intimidation. I don't know if you can get paid out on that over at North Star bets. Maybe one day. <laughs> I think day. they're going to have me set that line later today. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> That's what Stevie's doing after line. the show. He's putting that <laughs> yeah. line in. Stevie, thanks so much, buddy. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, guys. Enjoy the hockey this weekend. All right, thank you. Okay, Justin, time for take for take, and we start with the Edmonton Oilers, a team we've been talking about for weeks. I mean, I feel like every single show we talk about the Oilers, and rightfully so. You know, one of the biggest storylines mm-hmm. in all of the NHL. But don't look now. Five points out of a wild card spot. They've won, what, four in a row. Connor McDavid is on fire. The team cannot stop winning at the moment. So here's the question. What do you think about this one? Will the Edmonton Oilers be at 500 or above come Christmas time? Yes. When you look at their schedule up until December 16th, then they go out on the road to the east, right? They have a, what is it, a one, two, three, four, five, six-game homestand, right? Against Carolina Hurricanes, the Minnesota Wild, New Jersey Devils, Chicago Blackhawks, Tampa Bay Lightning, and Florida Panthers, right? A lot of winnable games there. A lot of winnable games. They're right now 9-12-1, right? I think it's not out of the realm of possibility whatsoever that by Friday, December 22nd, where they play at MSG against the Rangers, the Oilers are at 500 or above 500. When I look at this team, they are playing their best hockey right now. Did you see that goal last night? I don't know about their, their best hockey so far this season, right? In the most extended period of time, right? Yeah, but why, though? You don't know why? No, why, though? Why are the Edmonton Oilers playing their best hockey right now? It's because why? Their big players are playing their best hockey. Connor McDavid has been on fire. Did you see that goal Leon Dreisaitl scored last mm. night on the power play? That was a classic one knee, one timer by Leon Dreisaitl on the power play. Albert, this is exactly what we've been talking about with the Edmonton Oilers. When their big guys are clicking like that and playing motivated and playing with passion, these guys are going to win a whole lot of games. There's still a whole lot of talent on there. Their defense has picked up quite a bit. Look, they they went down last night in Winnipeg, and what happened? They answered right back and won the game. When I look at this team, if they get to start playing with confidence, they're not squeezing the stick as much, and they play freely, they're a dangerous, dangerous team. Five points out of a wild card spot. I think by the new year, the Edmonton Oilers will be in a playoff spot. You can book it. You can put it on the board. Yes. Yeah. Listen, how about that? Your star players start performing well and things turn around. That's what happens in this NHL. But kudos to Connor McDavid. I think he just said, dude, screw it. I got to put this team on my back. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. But I will say I'm not convinced they'll be at 500. I think they'll eventually get there. But I did watch that game against the Vegas Golden Knights, which they ended up winning. But Stuart Skinner did everything he possibly could to try and lose that game for the Oilers. Goaltending is still not good enough. I know Nurse is playing a bit better. He's looking more like a $9 million defenseman, which is insane. He's Credit to Paul Coffey for that, too. Credit to Paul Coffey. I don't know if I give credit to Paul Coffey. I mean, what's Paul Coffey really doing? I'm sure he's helping, but that's, he's not going to turn around Darnell Nurse's career in a couple of games. But with that said, the top guys, if they keep performing the way that they are, they're going to get to that number eventually. But I'm just still worried about that goaltending. 
goaltending. I think they still need to go out and find a, a serious netminder. Look, I you got to trust the Oilers, yeah. I think. You got to trust the Oilers. You got to trust um, McDavid. Yes, you do. Look, he's tied now 29 points with Drysaddle after the slow start. He's back at the top of the leaderboard. For Is the he going to win it all again? Is he going to win these trophies? Would we be shocked if he had a slow start and end up cruising to the I, I feel like loss? an idiot because I kind of wrote him off early. I'm like, you know, but it, look what he's doing. He's he does whatever though. he wants on the ice. No look, one else can do that. I love it. It's like it's like LeBron, Mahomes, that type of vibe where oh, maybe your boy Otani, you could be a Blue Jay soon. Don't do it, please. He could be a Blue uh, Jay. But look, you talked make... about tears earlier with the door off. I'll cry right now. I'm just thinking about <laughs> Otani in a Jay's uniform. <laughs> but what's it called? With McDavid, he could turn that thing on, flip the switch, and he's the best player on the planet Earth. Um, Corey Perry, Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. So a bit of a difficult segue, but came out with a statement yesterday, uh, and I'll read just some of the excerpts from it. He basically sure. said, um, I would like to sincerely apologize to the entire Chicago Blackhawks organization, including ownership, management, coaches, trainers, employees, and my teammates. I would also like to apologize to my fans and my family. I feel embarrassed, and I have let you all down. He also talked about how he's going to start working with experts for mental health and substance abuse feel, uh, sorry, substance abuse, um, and move forward that way. Um, so Albert, my question is to you, it's still very fresh and all that, mm -hmm. but what did you think about his statement? And do you think he attaches himself to NHL roster this season or anytime soon? Well, I'll start with his statement. Mm -hmm. Listen, I, I hope he's okay. I hope he finds help and I, and I hope he can just deal with that moving forward because obviously dealing with mental health issues and substance abuse issues, it's not an easy thing to deal with. How deep these things go, I have no idea, but you got to take the guy's word for it. Mm -hmm. And uh, we still don't really know what actually happened outside of an incident. I think at some sort of team party or, or something mm -hmm. like that with sponsors involved. So uh, I think we still need to know more information before we start speculating certain things. But in terms of will he play in the NHL again? This is just my opinion. I have no backup information on whether he will or won't, but I think that he will. I wouldn't be surprised. We've heard some reports already that teams are definitely snooping around. If you can get a you know a 38-year-old player who can still play, I think he was like fourth or fifth in the Chicago Blackhawks in terms of scoring. Mm -hmm. uh, he's got that Stanley Cup pedigree. He's really good to play with. He's a team guy. Well, at least he has been a team guy in the past. I don't see why he wouldn't come back, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him on a team in the new year. But he has to sign with a team by March 8th, the deadline. Mm -hmm. If it passes that, then he can't play. He can play on a team, but he won't be able to be eligible for the playoffs. So I think we'll start hearing a lot more noise around maybe Corey Perry joining a team. But a lot of those teams have to ask, you know, what went down? What happened? How are you feeling? How's the mental health? How's the substance abuse issues if, if alcohol is an issue, right? So there's still a lot of questions to be answered. But if a general manager or an owner of a team likes those answers and thinks, hey, we can get this guy for a million or less and he can help our team and why not? I wouldn't be surprised to see Corey Perry bounce around and come back in, in the new year. Yeah, I, I think I, I could see maybe next season. Um, again, I hope Corey Perry. Yeah, we went, don't know. Right? We don't know, right? Yeah. I, I hope that everything, you know, gets clarified and, you know, he moves on and all that stuff. But and, um, Sorry, just cut you off. But one of the yeah. main things is that Kyle Davidson did say this. it's not a criminal issue. No, it's not a criminal issue, right? Which so, I think is huge because I think is. that's what a lot of people were speculating. And if that's not the case, then I think it changes a lot. Right. So, again, there's been so many rumors with this whole situation, so much Twitter drama, all of that. We've seen the power of social media in a negative way. Oh, man. Um, I just don't know if he can – first of all, I think I hope he puts himself first and his family first and gets the necessary help that he needs before he even thinks about coming back. Um, I just don't see a team taking a chance out in barring injury, maybe, but I just don't see him coming back at all this year, maybe next year. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, next up on the list here, Justin Pooney, the New York Rangers released their third jersey 
And uh, are you thinking this, that it's one of the best jerseys in hockey right now? No. Okay, I thank think, you. I think it's one of the worst jerseys. Because Social you know media went a little bit crazy yeah, with these jerseys. Yeah, because you know why, Albert? When I look at the New York Rangers, and we've had discussions off camera about this, about the best unis in hockey, right? We talked the other day about Patrick Kane. Might have the holy trifecta of jerseys in his rotation with the Blackhawks, the Red Wings, and the Rangers, right? The iconic blue shirt Rangers, one of the best jerseys in all of sports, in my opinion. And to bring out this kind of... Glor- you said a glorified practice jersey. I, <laughs> I never know. said that. Did you I, not did say I, that? No, no. I said oh. the emblem is way too big. The emblem was way too big. Well, the crest I think is a, huge. I think it's a glorified practice jersey, okay? So <laughs> yeah. when I look at this, this is a historic brand, a historic you know, franchise where sometimes simplicity. Remember the one they had with Gretzky with the actual Statue of Liberty face on it? That was that was nice. Um, When you're a historic brand like this, you got to keep it classic, keep it simple. This was kept way too simple and it discredits the whole... Uh, New York Rangers brand, I think. I just don't like it wow. whatsoever. Wow. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, they want to sell more jerseys, and that's why these things come out. I think it's fine, but, I mean, the crest is too big. If you're looking at best jerseys, to me, I still have the Blackhawks at the top of the list for the longest time. Really? But when I saw that Patty Kane on the back of the, the white Red Wings Woo-hoo-hoo. jersey, I'm like, that that's up there. That yeah, might man. be one of the best. But if you're looking at, like, best jerseys in hockey, I think you're looking at original six. I'm fine with the Rangers. I'm even okay with this one, but it's not the best jersey in hockey, no chance. Uh, I don't know. I think the Leafs jersey could use a little bit of touch-up. You too. remember when uh, the Canadians came out with a third shirt, and it was they called it the Barber Pole? The Candy Cane one? Oh, my that God. Was that might be worst of all time. Yeah. Well, I Next think, to the Golden Seals. Well, you know, the Toronto St. Pats one, the green one, I'm not a big fan of those. That's a nice. Have some respect. Come on. Sir. Now, speaking of the Leafs, right? Um, we talked about earlier the Zdorov trade and yeah. how the Leafs weren't uh, able to get anything done because they would need to have salary retention. So, Albert, you get the final word on this, and I hope you bring the, the heat because I mean, my question to you is this. Will lack of cap space hurt the Leafs moving forward and making any moves to improve this roster? Yeah, I wasn't expecting to do this final word, but this is what I got. This one's all off the dome, okay? So uh, <laughs> the question is, is it going to hurt them? Yes, it already has, right? They wanted Zadorov, and why couldn't they get him? Because of cap space, they couldn't get the Calgary Flames to retain any salary. And if that's going to be an issue moving forward, as it always is every single season, then yes, it's going to hurt them. This is just kind of what the Leafs have been doing. And this is what you have to deal with when your 60% of your cap is tied up into what? Four players? Mm -hmm. Like it's unsustainable. It's too difficult to strengthen because it's dollar in, dollar out. I mean, and it, it, we never see straight-up NHL trades anymore where it's player for player and it makes sense because the numbers rarely make sense. I know they want Tanev right now from the Calgary Flames, right? How are you going to do that? you got to hope that Calgary can retain some salary. What did Craig Conroy, the GM of the Flames, just say? They don't really want to retain salary. If they can find another option, even within their conference, they will trade so they don't have to retain salary. So the Leafs are in a horrible position. It might take a piece or a couple of pieces to figure out how to strengthen that defense, and they have no choice but to strengthen that defense. I mean, the other night against the Seattle Kraken, they had three AHL defensemen on that blue line. That cannot happen. You're not going to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, listen, you can say all you want about these regulation wins. As long as they're putting wins on the board, I think it's fine. They're picking up points, and they'll probably make the playoffs, most likely make the playoffs. But once you get into the NHL playoffs, you can't have that type of defense. And the cap cap situation is going to hurt them moving forward. I don't know what they do. I don't expect a big trade of one of the core four players, even though like I am campaigning for that. I think you need to flip one of those guys. But that's such a big move. That needs to happen probably in the offseason. And you got to hope that one of these players are willing to 
to move on their no trade clauses. So the Leafs are in a horrible position. They want to strengthen, but they can't. They need teams to retain salary and not only retain salary, Justin, they're also going to have to give up assets. The Leafs are in a horrible position, but it's a position that they've been in since the beginning. Nothing has changed. And Justin Pooney, guess what? That's the final word. All right, that's it from us. Thanks for listening to Homestand Sports. We'll be dropping episodes throughout the week, so keep your eyes peeled for that. You can find Homestand Sports anywhere you download your podcasts, including Apple, Amazon, and Spotify. Thanks again for watching. I'm Albert Vartanian, and this has been Homestand Sports, where stories, not stats, take center stage.